Welcome to this special midweek edition of the Southcrest Live podcast featuring the teaching of Dr. David Wilson. If this is your first time to listen, be sure to connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. And thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this message from our Wednesday night series. Thank you, Kim. What an appropriate song for this evening's passage when we're talking about work, uh, professing in your profession. Your work really does matter to God. Maybe you've already finished your work and you are retired, but there's still work to do and to honor the Lord with all the rest of our life. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 where it says bond servants or slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him." Let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking for his help in uh, understanding and applying this. Lord, we are grateful for the opportunity to work, and we thank you for your provision through our jobs. And we ask you now, Lord, to help us understand that even outside the church building, we really are working in your field in our profession. So we ask that you encourage us and challenge us and... um, pray that again for people who may not have a job that they like, but I pray you give them strength to serve you even while they're doing that. We ask for you to guide us now from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Since back in chapter 5, verse 18, we've been talking about being filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit as wives and as husbands and as parents and children. And now we come to this section in Ephesians 6, 5 that speaks about how we ought to relate to God on our job or our vocation. Your Christian life out in the marketplace. One of the problems we have in churches today, not, not everyone's that this, but there seems to be a lot of what we call dualism in the church. And basically what that means is that people come to church on Sunday and they dress a certain way and they um, look spiritual and they worship and they have a certain vocabulary and a certain lifestyle when they come to church. But Monday through Friday, or perhaps even Monday through Saturday, they live a totally different kind of life. Our Christian faith should express itself not only in our church, but also out in our daily life. Now, the reason is there's no word secular in the Bible. There's not a separation of your spiritual life and your secular life. Your life in the Lord goes through all parts of your life, whether that's work or pleasure or worship, whatever it might be, it goes through all parts of it. Do you like your job? Now, some of you don't, some of you do. 
I read something that was interesting and compared your work to prison. And some of you may think you're in prison. In prison, you spend the majority of your time in an eight by 10 cell. At work, you spend most of your time in a six by eight cubicle. In prison, you get three meals a day. At work, you only get a break for one meal and you have to pay for it. In prison, you get time off for good behavior. At work, you get rewarded for good behavior with more work. In prison, a guard locks and unlocks all the doors for you. At work, you must carry around a security card and unlock and open all the doors yourself. In prison, you can watch TV and play games. At work, you get fired for watching TV and playing games. In prison, you get your own toilet. At work, you have to share. In prison, they allow your family and friends to visit. At work, you cannot even speak to your family and friends. In prison, all expenses are paid by taxpayers with no work required. At work, you get to pay all the expenses to go to work, and then they deduct taxes from your salary to pay for the prisoners. In prison, you spend most of your life looking through bars from the inside wanting to get out. At work, you spend most of your time wanting to get out and go inside bars. <laughs> that better not be true of any of you. In prison, there are wardens who are often sadistic. At work, they are called managers. There's a lot of dissatisfaction in the marketplace, and we make jokes about it. And I hope that you're in a good spot where you are enjoying your work. But there's a lot of dissatisfaction, however. There's a, a group called Right Management that was a division of the giant staffing firm Manpower Group that did a, a snapshot survey that underlines the dissatisfaction among American workers. At a time of high unemployment and lackluster job growth and major uncertainty in the world financial markets, many of the employees felt stuck in their jobs, unable to consider a career move, even if they're unhappy. And they ran this online survey and, and called responses from about 411 workers in the United States and Canada. Only 19% said they were satisfied with their jobs. Another 16% said they were somewhat satisfied, but the rest, nearly two-thirds of respondents, said they were not happy at work. 21% said they were somewhat unsatisfied, and 44% said they were unsatisfied. You, there may be certain days. It, to me, it would depend on the day if you asked me on that survey. You know, Mondays for preachers, that's not a day to ask them if they like their job because that's not a good day to ask them. Now, later in the week, everything gets better. But I'm just saying, I'm thinking about this survey. I wonder what days they, they uh, ask these people that question. But a lot of people aren't happy with their pay. One man came home and said, honey, it's finally happened. My withholdings this week exceeded my salary. One man said, I wouldn't mind the rat race so much if I had a little more of the cheese. Another man said, I think my wages are frozen. One worker, he said to another worker, I think my wages are frozen. When I open up my pay envelope, a little light comes on. A lot of people don't like the pressure at work. One guy said, you know, I, I used to be an employee. Now I'm an independent business owner, and he said, now I can get there anytime I like before 7 and leave anytime I want after 10 p.m. Columnist Herb Cain wrote in the San Francisco Chronicle a long time ago, he said, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up, 
It knows it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning a lion wakes up, it knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. So it doesn't matter whether you're a lion or a gazelle, when the sun comes up, you better be running. There are a number of articles on the pressure to produce, to produce more, sell more, obtain more. I read of a group of chickens was in the yard when a football flew over the fence and landed in their midst. A rooster waddled over there and looked at it for a moment. He said, I'm not complaining, ladies, but look what they're turning out next door. A lot of people feel that pressure. And then, have you had the joy of equipment breakdown? Computers. 30% talked about the frustrating of computer. The computer broke down. One person said, the computer broke down today and we had to actually think. So what's the mandate for Christian workers? I know there's no perfect job, and I know there's going to be some days when you want to sing the Johnny Paycheck song, and if you don't know what that is, you just look it up. Starts with take this job, and you know the rest of it. Paul's writing to a group of people who are in a difficult place in Ephesus. And so there's several truths here I want to share with you right quick. First of all, notice, notice the disposition of Christian workers, their character. Now, when you hear the word slave, and this says we're slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ, as to Christ, we use that word slaves and master, but most of us have such a negative connection with that. And the reason is, is when we study history, we study slavery here in the United States, the antebellum slavery in the South, that's when they sailed ships to Africa and they captured people and kidnapped them and brought them back and sold them into slavery. But folks, I want to tell you, that's not the kind of slavery that's talked about here. That's the only connection we have with it. It's the only point of reference that we go to, but it's not the same. In the Bible times, it's been estimated there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And many of them were voluntary slaves. They voluntarily sold themselves into temporary slavery so that they could earn Roman citizenship. Uh, there was a good relationship many times between them. And so the relationship uh, was almost, some of them were almost like family. They taught children. They did all kinds of things around the house. And so the relationship at that time was more like what we would consider bosses and employees. We, did, we think of masters with a whip beating people. That's not what was going on. Now, it is true that when the Romans conquered, they made slaves of people. But it wasn't the same kind of slavery that when I mention that to you here in the United States, you think immediately of the slavery in the South many, many years ago. It's not the same. But Paul says we ought to adopt the attitude of being a servant. And instead of considering yourself an employee, consider yourself a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm taking the Lord Jesus wherever I go, and when I go to work, I'm, I am serving this company, I am working for this boss, but I am actually a servant, a follower of Jesus Christ. And in your job, you're working for Jesus. 
Now notice several things here that make a great employee. First of all, you will be compliant. It says be obedient. It's in present tense. It indicates uninterrupted obedience. We're not simply to obey when we desire something from our employer. We're supposed to do what they ask us to do. Now, if they ask you to do something that's immoral or blasphemous or against God's word, obviously that's not what he's talking about. But most of the time when we go to work, we're not asked to do something that's immoral. Now, I have been told there are people who have been asked to do things that were dishonest, and that's one thing you don't do. But the fact is, just because you may not like something, if it's not immoral or blasphemous or unscriptural, then you, you need to be obedient. And it says, according to the flesh. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. That emphasizes the authority and the submission relationship is important and it should be respected, but it's only temporal. One of these days when we go home, there's not going to be any more bosses like that. The Lord Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, obviously, but we're... We just need to realize that this is temporary. It only lasts in this life and does not apply to moral and spiritual concerns for the future. We're to be obedient people. We're to be compliant people. I've had a lot of jobs growing up and, and there were times that there were things I didn't like to do, but the boss told me to do it or asked me to do it. And I did it. And we're supposed to do it, to be compliant. You don't argue with them. They're the boss. If you're working for them, be compliant. A Christian ought to be compliant. The second thing is they ought to be considerate. With fear and trembling, it says. It has the idea of honor and respect. It makes you want to please them. Now you may say, well, you don't know my boss. You have no idea what they're like. The fact is, they may be hard to honor and respect as a person, but you honor and respect the position. They are the boss. They are the authority. They are the ones you work for. You might not like them, but you show your respect for that position. The owner of the company was conducting a sales meeting, and he thought he would get the attention of all the salesmen by telling a few jokes and trying to ease them up a little, a few funny stories. So after each joke, everyone laughed except one man sitting in the front row. And he never cracked a smile. And after the fourth or fifth joke, the boss looked at him and said, what's the matter with you? Don't you even have a sense of humor? He said, I don't have to laugh. I'm quitting at the end of the day to take another job. Well, you may not like the person you work for as a person, but until you have another job and they're paying you, you need to be respectful, considerate. A third characteristic is to be committed with sincerity of heart, it says. Singleness of heart, not divided. The idea is to do well the work you're assigned to do without thinking of other things. Somebody put it this way, blessed are they who fill the positions they occupy. There are a lot of people who fill positions, but they don't ever work. 
You're to be committed. I'm putting my heart into it. One guy who was the chairman of the board asked the personnel director, who did you get to fill Charlie's vacancy? And the personnel director said, Charlie didn't leave a vacancy. Well, may that not be true for us. We're supposed to leave a vacancy when we're gone. A Christian strives with excellence. Put your heart into it. The old plumber, there was an old plumber who was admonishing his young helper. His young helper was always taking coffee breaks. And so to get his attention, he said, when I was an apprentice, we used to lay the first two links of pipe and then the boss would turn on the water and we had to stay ahead of it. Now, if you've done any plumbing, you know that's a joke. But the fact is, we need to be committed to what we're doing. Give an honest day's work. Work for what you've earned. And the third thing is to be cognizant. Look what it says, as to Christ. To be cognizant of who I'm working for. I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to be compliant, I'm going to be considerate, I'm going to be committed to it, and I'm going to remember that I'm working for the Lord. I, I want to bring glory to God. That's the attitude we ought to have. When I work, I ought to bring glory to the Lord, and being filled with the Spirit brings the practical results of being a reliable, productive, cooperative worker. And whenever a Christian is submissive to the Holy Spirit, his accomplishments are as to the Lord, as to Christ. And so the difference between the Christian and non-Christian is attitude. You are in full-time Christian service. Now, if you grew up in church, that term meant that you were going into some kind of vocation for the Lord. You were going to be in full-time Christian vocation. But did you know you are, as a believer in Christ, as a Christian, you are in full-time Christian service. You can be a Christian lawyer. You can be a full-time servant if you sell insurance or cars or in any job that is not illegal or immoral. You can do it to honor and and glorify God. You want a good example? How about Daniel in the Old Testament? Now you know about Daniel. You know about him being in the lion's den. But most of you don't realize the other part of the story. Daniel had a job. You think of Daniel praying and we know that he did, but Daniel had a job just like most of us. He, he was a government employee. He was a government administrator. In Daniel 6, 1 and 2, it says, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom and three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So Daniel had a job. And he was such a conscientious worker that the passage goes on to say in verse 3, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So here was Daniel. He got up and went to work every day. He was so good in his job that he kept getting promoted. And here was the problem. 
Some people that he worked with were jealous of him, so they devised a scenario whereby he would be arrested. They made it a breach of the law for anyone to pray to anybody except the king. And you know that Daniel wasn't going to do that. He was going to pray to God. So he bowed and he prayed to God of Israel. He was arrested. And there's the part that everybody really remembers when he's in the lion's den. Now, can you imagine what happened down in the lion's den? Daniel wasn't afraid because the Bible says his faith was in God. Now, I don't know about you, but I can have a sanctified imagination. Sanctified means set apart, holy. It's still imagination. So, in my imagination, I picture Daniel pulling up one of those fluffy lions and laying back on him. And then pulling up another fluffy lion and putting his feet or sitting between them and leaning back on both of them. And maybe he pulled out his old, his pocket Old Testament and he's just laying there reading between the lions. Now, I can't see you, but I even heard you groan at home over that one. Meanwhile, back in the palace, Darius can't sleep. He's biting his fingernails. He's pacing floor all night. He's saying, what have I done? How is Daniel doing? And here's Daniel down there sound asleep in the lion's den. And the next morning, Darius goes out there, pulls the stone away. And I want you to listen to what Daniel 6.20 records. Listen to what it says. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel Servant of the living God has your God, here's the catch, whom you serve continually been able to rescue from the lions. Now, wait a minute. Doesn't the king say, Daniel, serve the Lord full time? Doesn't the king say, Daniel, your God whom you serve full time, has he rescued you? Of course, the answer to that's yes, but I wanted you to see that even though Dan, through Daniel's job, as he was promoted, the king noticed that he served God continuously. Whatever your job is, if you're a salesman, if you're an accountant, whatever you do, do your work as unto the Lord. That should be our disposition. Now, the second thing I want you to see is the dedication of Christian workers, the consistency in verse 6, it says, not with eye service. It means to be seen by men, but as men pleasers, means to, a means to an end. It, it says, not, as, not with eye service as men pleasers. I heard one guy that put, said, this is the, the push-up principle. Now, here's what he meant by that. You remember when you were in, in PE or physical education or if you were in sports or whatever and they were, had you doing push-ups? And so when you knew the coach was looking at you, man, you were doing them the right. But then when he looked away, all kinds of stuff started happening. Now I know I'm not the only one that did that. You did it too, didn't you? And, and so, and then as soon as the coach turned back around, man, we're doing the push-ups again. That's what this means. Just because somebody's watching you, you ought to be doing the push-ups even when they're not watching. That's a tendency we have to work harder when we're being watched. I read of a, an, uh, a, a, an account 
of a, a retired man who got interested in construction that was coming up close to his house. And he got to where when he was walking, he would stop and he would observe and he would stand there for a long time watching especially uh, a big piece of equipment, a big crane that was working and the conscientiousness of that operator. And he watched it every day. This, this guy on the crane did a magnificent job. And finally the day came when this man had an opportunity to get close enough to this guy who operated this crane to say something to him. And he told him, he said, man, you, I've enjoyed watching your work every day. And, and uh, I just wanted you to know as I've come by every day, I've just noticed it. And that crane operator looked at him and said, are you telling me you're not the supervisor? Now, the reason that guy was working so hard is because he thought that was the supervisor. We are to be consistent. There are some people who are miracle workers. It's a miracle when they are working. A farmer put up a sign on the entrance of his pasture. He said, hunters, please don't shoot anything on my place that is not moving. It might be my new hired hand. We're not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be dedicated, committed. So you see our character, you see our consistency, but now there's a third thing, the distinction of Christian workers, the contentment that we have. It says, with good will, not as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. With goodwill means contentedly. It's not what you do, but how you do it that will determine the value of your work. Grudgingly. You can work grudgingly or you can work gratefully. Let me tell you, if you have a job right now, you need to be grateful you have one. You can be a great witness when you show gratitude for what you are doing. A man's a fool to spend his whole life building a great corporation and then discover at age 70 when he's about to die what life is all about. Be grateful for the work. You know, a lot of people think work came as a result of the fall. When in reality, God gave Adam a job before the sin entered the world. He was to take care of the world. So we already had a job. It's not like we had to start working now that the sin entered the world. It's just that work became so much more difficult after sin came. I got amused at a little boy who taught his dog to pull a lawnmower. He didn't have a self-prepared lawnmower. He taught his dog, big dog, to pull the lawnmower when he was behind it. And so this dog had been trained to pull it. He stopped and started barking at a little dog that was walking down the street who another little boy had and the boy behind the mower said to his friend who was watching he said don't mind my dog he just barks as an excuse to rest well folks it's easier to bark than it is to pull and we're supposed to be the kind of people that work with gratitude and work with consistency you got to confess though some of us are like the old man who was fishing in a shallow stream and a young executive saw him. And for about a half hour, he watched this old man fishing and he finally said to the old man, nothing happened. Man didn't catch anything, didn't even get a bite. And finally, the younger man walked over and said, it doesn't look like there's any fish in this stream. And the old man said, there's not any fish in this stream. 
He said, then why? What's the object of fishing here then? He said, the object is to show my wife I don't have time to peel potatoes. We're always looking for a reason not to do what we've been told to do. David Dykes, who's been the pastor of the Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler for a long time, he wrote this. He said, be a witness in your work. He said, first of all, don't brag. Many times Christians in the workplace talk about how good they are. And that turns a lot of people off. Who said, don't, don't take that attitude. Don't take the attitude that says, this is how good I am. Look how nice I am. Instead, you ought to have the attitude of a servant or humility. So don't brag. Then he said, don't nag. When you're trying to witness in your job, don't nag. Don't keep beating them over the head. I think we all know some Christians who are not very tactful in their witness. I'm talking about the ones who carry around a big Bible and they're always beating people over the head with it. They like to say, if you're not saved, you're going to die and burn in hell. Well, that's technically true, but people ought to consider whether or not they're going to die and go to heaven or hell, but it's not up to us to keep pounding and nagging them about it. Colossians 4 or 5 says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. So don't brag and don't nag. And then the third thing he says is don't drag. Final advice is don't be lazy, incompetent, unreliable, disloyal worker. It doesn't matter what you say about the Lord. Jesus Christ said, if you're, if you're not working hard, you've ruined your witness. The Bible says, let your light so shine that they'll see your good works. Some of you may be wishing you worked where you all pray together and talk about the Lord all the time. But, but you know what? Some of you may be working in a place where... Anything about the Lord is taken in vain and they tell filthy jokes and they distribute obscene material and you, and you think, man, I've just got a horrible job. But folks, let me tell you something. Have you ever stopped and thought that God may have you there as the only light in a world of darkness? Where do you need the light the most? Where it's darkest. When you come in here on Sunday and we worship together, you don't need a lot of light because most of the people in here are Christians. But when you go to work and there's, you may be the only believer at that place of business, you're the only light, you're the only Jesus those people are going to see. So he talks about the workers. You can see that we're supposed to be compliant that we're supposed to be obedient. We, our disposition, our character is that of a Christian. We're supposed to be dedicated. We're supposed to have a distinction about us. We are the best employees they have. But then Paul also addresses the bosses, the employers. And let's look at the directive there in verse 9. Masters or bosses, treat your employees in the same way. If you're a boss or a manager or a business owner, you treat them with respect. You treat them with kindness. You want a good example? In the Old Testament, Boaz. Boaz was a wealthy business owner, a farmer. And yet we read in the book of Ruth that whenever he greeted his workers, he always said, the Lord be with you. It's the way you greet your employees with kindness. Do you greet them with kindness? Boaz even gave his workers instructions that when they were cutting down the wheat to leave the corners. 
so that the poor could come and eat and gather. The Christian manager, he was kind. And so, if you could put it in a nutshell, you need to respect the people who work for you. You don't own them. They are people. They have families. They have feelings. And as a Christian employer or boss, there ought to be a difference. It, it doesn't mean that Christians ought to take advantage of you. You still have to get the work done, but, but to do it in a way of respect to them. It, it also means not, it means to refrain from abusive treatment. Don't, don't do things that are abusive. Respect their time. Respect, you know, be a person of your word. If you're going to ask them to do something, follow through with that. But don't, don't take advantage of them. Don't abuse them. Now, I'm not talking about physically. Nobody would put up with that. I'm talking about abuse of not thinking about their feelings, not thinking about their time, not thinking about they have families too and so forth. I mean, you don't care about their time as long as they get the job done. Well, don't, don't abuse them. And the third thing is to remember to whom you report to. It says in verse 9, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. You may be the boss of your business and you're a Christian. You have other Christians working for you, but did you know in the eyes of God they're equal with you, spiritually speaking? There's no partiality with God. Now, you have a responsibility, and I definitely believe that you're the boss. You have the authority to tell people what to do. But you need to remember that brother or sister, even if they're not a Christian, that person is, you're no better than they are is what I'm trying to say. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to lead this church, but I don't consider myself better than anybody in here. I'm not on a different plane than you. I just have a responsibility. And so, as a boss, we need to treat each other that way. We don't look down on anybody because their job may not be the same job as yours. During the Revolutionary War, and I close with this, during the Revolutionary War at Valley Forge, there's a story about how George Washington was walking along one snowy morning, dressed up in his hat and his top coat, and he was not easily recognized. He came upon a detail of soldiers, and there was a corporal commanding this detail, and they were straining to lift a heavy wooden beam to build a cabin, but they didn't have enough strength to do it. And rather than help them, the corporal was standing there barking out orders. And Washington, George Washington, saw them and joined them and helped them lift the beam and set it in place. And when he finished, he turned to the corporal and he said, why didn't you help them? And the corporal said, I'm a corporal, that's why. And this corporal didn't recognize who he was talking to, General George Washington. 
And at that time, Washington began to unbutton his top coat so the corporal could see his general's uniform. And he said, and then George Washington looked at the corporal and said, next time you need help, be sure and call me because I'm only a general. Now that's the attitude you ought to have as a Christian employer. Next time you need help, call me. I'm just the boss, but I'm willing to help. And I think that's the attitude of supervision and employees Christian business owners ought to adopt to be easy on their employees, not that the work won't get done, but treat them with dignity. See, God's credits and rewards are always dependable, always appropriate. You may have an employer, you may have a boss that does not appreciate the good job you're doing. But God sees it. God knows and God rewards and no good thing done in his name and for his glory will get by him. He will know it. So when you're filled with the spirit of God, you take it to work. You take it to work. If you're an employee, be the best employee that you can be to the glory of God. Even if you don't like your boss. And if you're an employer, remember, you've got an employer. (laughs) You've got a master. And you treat those people with respect. Do the same thing. Don't threaten them. Obviously, you know, in my day, I've had to sit down and have some talk with some employees. It doesn't mean that you overlook things. It doesn't mean that you let them get by with not working. But the way you treat them makes all the difference in the world. Take your Christianity home. Take your Christianity to work. Being filled with the Spirit, we walk with the Lord all through our life. Folks, I want to thank you for joining us this evening. And I also want to tell you, we normally take a break in the summer on Wednesday nights. Um, this would have been the evening that uh, would have been the last one because we would have had a Awana Awards and so on. Now, we do that for several reasons, to give our people a break, to, to let them rest. And I know this has been a strange um, occurrence this year, but hopefully we'll be back in the saddle by the end of the summer, back on Wednesday nights toward the end or beginning of September. And what I'd like to do, I've still got three or four more messages out of Ephesians, but they all go together. They talk about spiritual warfare and the armor of God, and I don't want to do start one and then have to finish it later. I want to keep them all together. But here's what you can do if you want to continue having some Bible study on Wednesday nights. You can go to southcrestlive.tv and right at the top it says video on demand. And you can go back and look at any of these Ephesians studies that we've been doing over the last several months. You can watch them again if you want to study again a passage of Ephesians. There are anything we've done, Sundays, Wednesdays, it's all there. Southcrestlive.tv. And then when you open it up at the top, it says video on demand. Or you can go to the website and down where sermons are, look for archives. And you can find things that you can watch. We plan to pick up here at the end, the very probably the very last Wednesday in August. Um, 
but we'll let you know. But I just want you to know that I'm not going to be coming to you on Wednesday nights for a, f- a few while, a little while, because we don't. We try to take a break in the summer. A lot of people involved in doing Wednesday nights, and so that's why we do, and we'll be ready to go again this fall. This Sunday, we're open for business. We were open last Sunday. I will tell you, we've taken every other row out of the auditorium. And, and so there's social distancing between the rows. And then we ask you to sit in your family group and then keep a couple of chairs between you and the next one. We had plenty of room Sunday. One more Sunday I'd like for you to go and register. Go to the website. Or, or actually, you probably got an email from me today and it said register. You don't have to tell us everything about you. Just put, you can put your first name or you don't even have to put your name. Just check. I'm coming to the 8, 9.30 or 11. I've got this many people so that we'll know. We were nowhere near capacity as far as what we can handle with the social distancing last Sunday. At eight o'clock, we're asking the older adults, 60 and above, and those who have uh, immune compromise or they're worried about that, come at eight o'clock. We had plenty of room. We had plenty of room at 9.30. We had the most room at 11. And so if you're worried about having to run into people, I don't think it's going to be a problem. We're actually misting the auditorium with disinfectant. Uh, We're cleaning all that. When you come in, you don't have to touch anything. No doors, no offering plates, none of that. Uh, people and, and actually, we're keeping the service to an hour so that people aren't congregated in the hall when you leave. You can come and go. I'm telling you, you're safer here than you are at the grocery store. I promise you that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just safe. And if you want to wear a mask, please do. You don't have to, but if you want to, that's perfectly fine. We're just glad that you've come. And if you can't come, it's okay. We'll be right here live streaming at 8, 9, 30, and 11. Uh, you can continue to watch that way. So it's win-win for everyone. If you want to come, come on. It was a real emotional day Sunday morning as we saw people we hadn't seen in a couple of months. Just brought tears to our eyes. But we're still conscious of, of keeping safe, and we will we promise to do that. So I hope that you had a great week. And I, whether you see us here online or you see us in person Sunday, we're excited about you being here and, and are watching us. We're going to continue together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to thank you again for joining us. Lord, help us to be good workers. Help us to be good employers. To remember that the ultimate master, the ultimate boss is you. And that we take you to our jobs, we take you home, we take you wherever we go. So help us, Lord, to be a shining example in a world of darkness. We pray for our services this Sunday. We ask that you keep our people safe. And Lord, we're going to gather together, whether it's in person or online, and honor you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Southcrest Wednesday Night Series featuring Senior Pastor David Wilson. Remember, you can also live stream our Sunday and Wednesday services. Go to southcrestlive.tv for more details or to southcrest.org to learn more about Southcrest Baptist Church. And thanks for listening.